golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G., Along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. What a great golf week. Weather's perfect. Oh, golf courses are dried out. It's hard and fast. The ball's rolling nice. What are we doing in here, Rich B? We're giving a sports update right now. Uh, You don't have to rush home real quick. Martin Keimer won the uh, PGA Grand Slam in a one-hole playoff against Bubba Watson. And the bottom of the sixth. Kansas City is leading Baltimore 2-1. to one. And Rich B, your Patriots defeated my Buffalo Bills on Sunday. So, way to go <laughs> to your Patriots. Uh, yeah, Holly, you know, they, you know this, the Bills, they did. They started out pretty good, but uh, I don't know where they're going. We never know where they're going. Yeah, and we got Thursday night. We got the Patriots and the Jets. Mm, yeah, that'll be a great game. <laughs> So, Rich B, you and um, good friend Sean Gorgon played in a little pro-pro on Monday. Southern Dunes. Said the golf course is in great shape. Wow. Tour conditions. Honest. Well, that's why you were there. It is just beautiful. And uh, the uh, uh, the team of Bianco and Gorgon missed the uh, money by one shot. So, <coughs> you choked. One shot. Oh, uh, No dinner for me tonight. Anyway, uh, it was a great time, and as always. And... Uh, you know, it's all in the spirit of competition, Holly. That's what it's all about. And hats off to Sang Moon Bay wrapping up the tournament at the Fries.com Open. Yeah, the way you made it sound, Holly, I didn't have to watch it on Sunday because you were uh you were touting him with an eight shot lead, I guess, at one well, time. Well, it was pretty it was pretty strong, but Stephen Bowditch gave him a pretty good run with a sixty seven. Uh, five under in the closing round. But uh, Matt Kuchar went south on Sunday, shot 76. He was in the hunt. Lee Westwood finishing decent, decent tournament, 69-69-67, um, tied for 12th. Hunter Mahan, good showing, tied for third. Now, this was in Napa? It was. I'm I, This is my prediction that uh, Kuchar got a bad glass of wine. You think? Out there in the uh, vineyards of uh, Napa Valley somewhere. Maybe uh, he got a bad cork, let's say. He likes his wine. Some other golf news. World Golf Hall of Fame welcomes Laura Davies, David Graham, Mark O'Meara, and A.W. Tillinghast as the class of 2015. Congratulations to the new Hall of Famers. Now, Tillinghast is known for... Golf course design. There you go. 
and the other uh, was that a real question, Richard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for our listeners, Holly, you know, uh, Tillinghast has uh, a great list of golf courses. He is up there with the best in terms of golf course architecture, and Holly. your 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 establishment, the PGA of America, the oh, Brain Trust boy. down there in you West Palm Beach, wait to throw them under the bus. What the? has now put together a task force to. Figure out the whole Ryder Cup situation. We're going to be talking to a couple of our golf insiders about that uh, in a little bit. Bob Herrick from ESPN, as well as Steve Eubanks from GlobalGolfPost.com. Am I going to be defending the PGA of America today? You probably are, Rich B. Good luck with that. Boy, they are already starting <laughs> They're, off. They're uh, digging a deep one. Wait. Uh, nice. LPGA. Last week. The LPGA Sim Darby in Malaysia, Shen Sheng Fen, winning again. Uh, okay. Now, that's in uh, uh, Asia and Shen Shen Fen. Was that a home job? It was in uh, Malaysia. Uh, is she from that part of the world? And in the Champions Tour, the race for the Schwab Cup, Kirk Triplett. Remember Kirk Triplett yeah. with the uh, bucket hats? Yeah. Is he still wearing the He's bucket hats? He's bringing it back. The buck- bucket hat is coming back. Wow. And Billy Horschel back in the field this week at the Shriners Hospital for Children in Las Vegas, Nevada. So we've got pretty decent, pretty decent field this week in the never-ending wraparound season of golf. So still lots of golf left, as we know, for uh, the next few weeks. And we're going to be we're going to be talking to our insiders coming up. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com, Steve Eubanks, and a very special guest coming up in our next segment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he shanked that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insider is taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. And Rich, there is a lot of golf going on out in the beautiful state of Nevada this week. We got the Shriners Hospital for Children Open, TPC Summerlin in Las Vegas. Defending champion Webb Simpson. But there's a... Another very special event going on as well, Um, something I had the opportunity to witness when I was up in Atlantic City in June at the International Network of Golf Conference, and that was the, some of the qualifying for the Para Long Drive Championships, and this week, Rich B., in fact, the next few days, Thursday and Friday, is the 2014 Paralong Drive Worlds, which will feature disabled golfers from seven countries competing at the world-famous Long Drive Grid at the Mesquite Nevada Sports and Event Complex. Many will be familiar with Mesquite as uh, it's been the home to the World Long Drive Championship since 1995. But uh, the Paralong Drive is for amputees, paralyzed, and blind golfers, and is fast becoming a movement for reaching para-Olympic status. And I'm telling you, Rich B., so inspiring to watch these guys hit the ball. I mean, we're talking 
300 plus 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 nothing but over the fence whoa with a uh, missing a uh, below the knee is one category yes. you know missing one leg you know below, you know below the knee uh below the uh, or above the knee you know and just the amount of skill timing and balance and dedication and as if golf isn't hard enough yeah, no kidding well we're going to uh go to one of the competitors in this incredible competition charlie rutherford live from mesquite nevada spending a few minutes with us on the golf insiders charlie welcome hey thanks holly hey rich b hey so tell us about how this all got started and how you got involved charlie well about 16 months ago i was hit by a careless driver on my motorcycle he made an illegal u-turn into me and I decided after that accident that instead of spending time on a motorcycle, I'd spend more time on a golf course. And so that's when I did a little bit of research on what kind of activities, competitions existed for uh, para golfers, and I found the Amputee Golf Association. And uh, so my first competition was last May at the national competition here in Mesquite. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, golf itself brings people together, amputees uh, bring people together. And then when you mix the two, it's just an instant camaraderie. So out here this week competing with all of my friends, we've got a uh, short game skills challenge coming up here in about 10 minutes. Uh, So we'll see how we do in that as well. Hey, now uh, you were a golfer previous to your accident. I was, but I was better on a motorcycle. I'd really only played maybe a max of 10 rounds a year my entire life, but really enjoyed the game. And so this has really been the first 16 months where I focused on golf and it's done good things for my game. Now it says in your bio, Charlie, that you can ride a wheelie on a motorcycle until it runs out of gas. Speaking of being a good rider, (laughs) is that the truth? Can you still do that? That's, that's kind of the truth. I don't know that that's too much of an exaggeration. Um, Now for our listeners, uh, he's a professional driver. Don't try that at home. Yes, don't. <laughs> no, I uh, I don't know anybody that hasn't been attacked by an alligator that has lost a limb playing golf, so that's what I'm going to focus on now. Well, your longest drive in competition was May 9th at the Paralong Drive Nationals, 338 yards. Pretty impressive. Uh, tell us how there's, there's uh, stages of qualifying, Charlie, and then I know this is a – a three-day event. It starts uh, this evening, and you have several rounds, and then the finals are Friday? Yeah, that's right. The Nationals last year, I was using my USGA conforming length driver, a Ping I-25 for the 338. Um, I'm, I'm hoping under better conditions, or the same kind of conditions this year, to target 375. I've now got a uh, 248-inch long Ping G30 drivers that Ping was kind enough to uh, give me for the competition. So um, I'm hoping for something a lot longer this year if we have the same conditions as last year. Hey, now, wait, uh, USG, qual- USGA qualify, are conforming now. Uh, you're saying that uh, some of these, the lengths of some of these drivers are not? Uh, yeah, everything that I played against last year, Rich B, was uh, 48 to 50 inches long. And so I've just got this tiny little thing that looked like about a wedge compared to those. So. Now that uh, I've got 40-inch 40 uh, long shaft and uh, the best technology, um, I've got higher hopes for something much bigger. Well, this is really exciting. You've got the first two rounds on Thursday and then the championship rounds on Friday at the Mesquite Sports and Event Complex. Mesquite just outside 
Las Vegas, beautiful property, uh, great golf out there, and they have really embraced this Paralong Drive event, haven't they? I cannot even uh, begin. I couldn't even. Uh, the people out here are completely awesome. Everywhere you go, uh, whether it's a gas station, uh, hotel, or the golf store, everyone has been so fantastic. They just love having the pair of golfers here. I cannot imagine a warmer reception, and that's what makes it so easy to come back here each time. And really fantastic, the City of Mesquite Athletics and Leisure Services Department and the Amputee Long Drive Championships uh, partnered up on this event, correct? Yeah, that's right. Brian Dangerfield uh, heads that organization and uh, Cody uh, somewhere else there in the office. Uh, I can't imagine the hours of work that they've put into this and the effort to have us out here. I mean, we feel like uh, celebrities and we're just, you know, guys that like the game of golf. And so to be treated the way that we're treated really makes us feel special and important. And uh, they do it because they love people and they love golf. And there's so much great golf around here that um, it's a place that I just love coming to every single time. And the categories, you you even have women competing. I I love seeing that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if we, uh, anyone who has got some kind of an, uh, an injury or um, is, is absolutely welcome to compete and try out. And so um, it's fantastic that it's open to anybody. And this is, uh, the backgrounds of people are mixed, correct, Charlie? Some have been wounded military members. Others have been athletes uh, maybe dealing with uh, uh, the aftermath of, a, of, a, of an accident or those who have learned to adapt to a deficiency from birth, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's what makes it so great to meet these people and hear their stories because nobody's afraid of telling it. And so whether it was birth or it was health or uh, an injury on the battlefield or otherwise, just really get to know people and hear their stories. And that's what makes this an experience beyond golf. I think for me, about half of the fun, uh, more more than half of the fun are the people. Uh, The golf is just a reason that we all get to get together. You know, I I, I played in a a wounded veterans uh, charity over here in um, uh, uh, Claremont. And, you know, to walk up on the the range and see the, uh, you know, the the apparatus that some of these guys put together on their own. They, you know, it's kind of homemade stuff. There's nobody really making equipment for long drive people, you know, uh, other than themselves. I mean, I saw radiator tubing and. Uh, and so, you know, just some really strange stuff. And, you know, you, you go up to the range and this is something you're not expecting to see. Isn't that fun about the human spirit that when they want to accomplish something, they'll figure out a way. And that's what one of the fun draws about golf is. And, uh, once you've had an injury or uh, health or birth, um, your goals don't change. Uh, your aspirations don't change and your loves might not change. And so, to figure out a way to continue playing a game that we love is a great endeavor. I know, too, they're having an Innovation and Technology Summit as part of the event featuring some of the top entre- entrepreneurs in human performance, including, and I've, I've read about this guy, he's a teen robotics inventor, meaning he's a teenager. I think his name is Easton LaChapelle. So uh, there's going to be, I guess, some very exciting uh, things that they're going to be talking about in the area of sports prosthetics, correct? I've not met him yet, but we talked a lot about him last night at dinner. He sounds like quite the young man. 
Um, It's shocking to me. I pose the question, how does a teen get to where he is at the forefront of this technology when there are corporations that would like to as well? And I think that just speaks to the agility of a, of a one-man team or a smaller team and, um, and a real love for what he's doing. And so I'm selfishly looking forward to talking to him about mountain biking because I hear he's big into that. That's fantastic. Well, the other exciting piece of this, Charlie, is that you're going to get some nice, nice national coverage. I know the Golf Channel has been doing some interviews this week on uh, Morning Drive and they will also be interviewing the winner on Friday night that will air at 8 p.m. on Golf Central, as well as another segment on Monday morning during Morning Drive. So this is really getting some great attention, and uh, really uh, kudos to everyone out there in Mesquite for the Paralong Drive Worlds. I'd love to be that guy that they're interviewing for the show on Friday and for Monday. Uh, there's a lot of big hitters out here, so... Uh, I'll just be praying that uh, my nerves are calm and that I know which end of the club to hold. Well, hey, we... is, there, is there a website or something that they might be streaming this live uh, so the viewers might be able to catch some of it? I think that you might be able to check out the golfchannel.com or Morning Drive, and uh, you could find out that way. I think during their regular programming Friday, they'll be cutting into live updates from the competition. Um, that's my best guess, Rispy. And if they want to learn more about the Paralong Drive, you, the website is paralongdrive.org. And also hats off to my good friend Cody Law, the executive director of Golf Mesquite Nevada, because I know he's been uh, one of the big movers and shakers making this happen. The Paralong Drive Worlds from Mesquite Nevada. Charlie Rutherford, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Good luck. We hope we'll be talking to you as the winner next week. Hey, thanks, Holly. Thanks, Rich B. I appreciate you having me. All right. Hey, thanks so much. The Para Long Drive Worlds, October 15th through the 17th, and to be featured on Golf Channel Friday and Monday morning. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 740 The Game. We'll be right back with Bob Herrick from ESPN. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. If we could just make We're back, the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B and... Uh, time to give away some swag, Rich B. We got some balls. We got some golf balls. The Bridgies. We got some Bridgestone golf balls, who actually also happens to be one of the sponsors of the Paralong Drive Worlds that are going out there in Mesquite. But we got some balls to give away to our loyal listeners. So, hey, caller number five. Lucky five. Give us a call. You've got a dozen Bridgestone golf balls coming your way. That number's 407-916-8255. 407-916-8255. And as always, we give uh, thanks to Dominic Selfa, our man at Bridgestone, the assistant manager of golf ball fitting, for giving us the Bridgestone swag. And if you go online... You'll take a little quiz, and they actually will match you up with the ball that is right for you. And, Rich B., I, 
I got you into a Bridgestone ball a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, I've actually been playing it uh, since you gave them to me. And uh, they got the airplane landing strips on them. Uh, what, I don't know where you came up with the uh, the, the triad of uh, stripes on the ball. You know, and it's okay. I think it's a little bit much. I think just the, you know, just the. Uh, oh, you're talking about the little uh, alignment. Uh, yes. Helper. Alignment tool. But, yes. um, but the golf ball has you hitting it. I do like the ball. Absolutely. I mean, you were crushing it at Metro. You know what? And it's fearless. Anybody that goes to Metro is hitting it further because it's just so big. And there's not too much trouble. I mean, you know, the the tighter the course, the tighter the swing, you know? So, uh, it does make you feel good playing out there. <laughs> but uh, speaking of making us feel good, he's feeling good because he's off the road. He's home this week. But uh, we're going to check in with our main man, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. How's it going, guys? Well, we're uh, still talking about the Ryder Cup, aren't we? <laughs> now yeah, the big uh, announcement of the task force by the PGA of America and Paul Azinger not committed yet to serving on the task force. What's up with that? Well, it sounds like he, um, he's got a meeting scheduled with them and uh, – uh, wanted to wait until he met with them privately before he took part in anything else. And, you know, that seems reasonable enough. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure what the rush is uh, to put this, this thing together right here. I mean, there's nothing that can happen in the next month or even between now and the end of the year that will change anything. Uh, you know, there's plenty of time to, 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 to figure this out. And, um, you know, I think Azinger has a bigger picture um, thought process in mind, and and uh, I think he wants to air those things to them just by himself. You know, it doesn't mean he wouldn't take part in this, but I think he wants to do that first, and that seems reasonable. So, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I think there's a, you know, there's still a chance he could maybe be the captain. Um, you wonder about that. I mean, you wonder if that's why he didn't want to become involved. You know, I could see him wanting to ask them, look, um, are you wanting to discuss with me being the captain? Because if you do, then there's no point in me being on a task force, you know. But if not, then, I can, then I'm glad to help you shape it going forward. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I mean, I, uh, I, I think they've set themselves up for some ridicule here. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, the European guys are sitting there kind of, smirking at this whole thing i mean you know at the end of the day it's about playing better and the u.s just hasn't done that uh certainly in this last Ryder cup and and at the other ones well he said that um he didn't think it was time to push the panic button noting that the americans actually took a four-point lead into the singles in 2012 only to get outplayed on sunday as we know at medina But he said, I think there just needs to be a few tweaks. I'm going to present a much bigger picture to the PGA of America than just how to pick the next captain, and we'll see how it works out. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, let's, you know, you back up a little bit. Uh, You know, they won in 08. They lost by a point in 10. They lost by a point in 12 after they held a 10-6 to lead. They won in 08, and in 10 and 12, they won a majority of the sessions. 
You know, I mean, so, uh, it, you know, they, the only session they lost uh, two years ago was singles. Obviously, they got trounced. Uh, and in, in, in Wales in 2010, that kind of hybrid one they had to put together with six matches because of the weather, they, they lost. And that turned out to be a big deal because they didn't play all of, all of the formats. Uh, and, you know, the, everybody talks, oh, you know, they don't play as a team. Well, you know, the U.S. actually had the better record in foursomes two years ago. And that's really the, the one format where you have to play as a team. Yeah, I think all of that stuff is completely overstated. Was Europe not playing as a team when they were getting beat so bad two years ago? You know, but then they're, then they're all of a sudden a great team because they win singles when, when they're playing by themselves. You know, I, some of that stuff is really, you know, um, uh, and, and, you know, obviously the media generates it, you know, is really, I think, overstated. You know, it's, uh, and, and Azinger's right. It's not like uh, they should panic, and it's not like uh, he, he used, he's used the term razor thin, and that's absolutely correct. I mean, obviously this time, they lost by five points, but still, you know, if, if, of course, it's a big if, but had they won instead of lost just one of the foursome matches each day, the thing is completely different on Sunday. Now, you could say, oh, well, that, there's always ifs in golf, but, but that's true. I mean, you turn, you turn just two matches around, and it's not like they were all blowouts. You know, some of them were very close. If you turn those around, all of a sudden you go into Sunday signal, singles, and it's it's a it's a point or two different, and then 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 it's a game, you know. And and then are we even talking about any of this stuff? Well, you know, what really just blows my mind is that you know Azinger has said numerous times that he hasn't been consulted by the PGA since his captaincy ended, and that the captains since Paul haven't consulted with him either. I mean, the guy did have a winning formula, and he spent a lot of time, you know, creating this pod system and creating, you know, a a system. And, you know, now that's what we're seeing out of the Europeans. He said, you know, they've created a business model in which, you know, their captains are are involved, their vice captains are involved, and it's about creating the environment, he said. I think there is something to that. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I will always be more on the side of it's just more about playing better. But he does have a point when he says, look, they have a system whereby their captains, for the most part, have always served in an assistance role prior uh, or they were a, you know, they they were a player for a lot for a lot of Ryder Cups. Um, you know, uh, Faldo, I don't think had been an assistant, and he's sort of the one guy out of the that that, that doesn't fit the mold. But um, you know, you go back before that, uh, uh, you know, McGinley McGinley had been a player, then McGinley was an assistant in ten and twelve, and then became the captain this time. Uh, uh, you know, Longer had been a, a, a player for many, many Ryder Cups and was an assistant. Olafabel had been an assistant. They have sort of developed this, you know, system where when you come around next time, there's a familiarity with those people who are around for the players who have been there. You know, the captain might put his own touch on it, but he's taking from those assistants and from those people who have been there. The U.S. hasn't been that way. Uh, you know, there was, 
there was nobody that was part of Tom Watson's group that had been part of Davis Love except for Stricker, who was a player. And you can kind of give Stricker the credit for putting Patrick Reed and Jordan Speed together. That, that wasn't how it was going to start out. He's the one who suggested that, and and uh, and, and it ended up being, you know ended up work being one of their best teams. Uh, so I do think Paul has something there, you know, in in that you can create a little bit more of a culture of uniformity if you have a system where, uh, you know, let, let's say the next time, um, you know, let's just say for example that the next captain is, oh, I don't know, throw throw out a name. Let's say it's Jim Furyk. I don't know that that'll be the case. I think it's probably too soon. But let's say it's Jim Furyk. Have Stricker be an assistant again. Have, um, you know, maybe Davis, who was a captain, have him be an assistant who's been there. And then, you know, a, a future guy like Zinger or, excuse me, like Mickelson or, uh, you know, you, you would think he ought to be an assistant if he's not playing. Uh, have them be part of it. And then when it comes around in 2018, you've got a pool of guys that have, done it together now and that becomes the next captain you keep it going like that it's pretty simple i mean you're going to have to have some of these big star players that, that have been big big name guys for the u.s want to buy into you know being around the Ryder cup uh in a role other than as a player and as a captain just to see how it all goes well and also i think you know the key is to get the best players there and that uh there needs to be some restructuring certainly because of the FedEx Cup and then in 2016 we're going to have the Olympics so uh, it certainly creates some um, immediacy to have this conversation yeah I mean that's a great point I mean the the way that the the way that the um, the, the structure of the schedule is set up I mean in a weird sort of way you know I think it was 10 guys there were 10 players in Atlanta from from the U.S. side, ten of the twelve, and only four Europeans. Um, so that means eight of their players weren't playing in Atlanta. Um, now some of it was because they bowed out; they didn't make it. McDowell, Poulter, uh, Westwood; those guys had had missed out. A couple of the guys went and played in Wales the week before, but I, I get the sense that some of their players were a little bit more fresh. You know, I mean, the, the schedule doesn't help. Now, you say that, again, uh, a majority of the European team is also playing the PGA Tour and potentially faces the same thing. But in a weird sort of way, you had it work out better that they weren't playing. Um, you know, Poulter didn't make it past uh, uh, the Deutsche Bank. Uh, uh, Westwood only made it to the first one uh, and then didn't make it after that. You know, whereas the U.S. had 10 of their 12 guys in Atlanta and all 12 were in Denver. You know, and and what were we writing and talking about at that time? How guys were tired, they were dragging. There was, you know, this you know the sense that the season was too long. Um, yeah, I don't know if that played any part in them not playing well at the Ryder Cup or not, but uh, um, you know, it it could, and it's something that they have to look at. Well, and Bob, we are now into the wrap around season, or the sort of wrap around season for the next few weeks. And you've got a great story on ESPN.com. When more golf is too much golf, what are your thoughts on the wraparound season? Well, you know, I I try to point out that just to say you shouldn't play and you should cut out events is not the not such an easy answer. 
mean, it's easy for me to say, well, hey, no, let's not play these tournaments right now. Uh, well, you know, you've got sponsors willing to put up the money. You've certainly got players who want to play and need the opportunities. So it's not a very, very easy thing to work out. But in the big picture, you know, sports is entertainment sense. Uh, trying to cater to the fans. It, it is not a good thing to have so much golf. I mean, people need a break from it. It's the reason the NFL is so popular, is that you crave more of it. You know, I, mean, I hunger to see my day. Buffalo Bills every fall. <laughs> and, they, and they've toyed with the idea of going to 18 games because they know how big of a deal it is. People will eat it up. Look at people eat up these Thursday night games now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, people eat up college football every night of the week if they play it. But in, in golf, you know, we have a tournament every week, and it's, hard to, it's very, very difficult to frame its importance when there's so many of them. You know, it's just there's so many tournaments, it's hard to say, God, it's so important that you play now or that, you, you know, that, that, uh, that these tournaments matter. I mean, uh, it's, you've got to, I think you need to create a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, the, the old adage, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You need to have some time away from it, and then people get into it when it comes back. We don't really have that. I mean, to start up this, the new season just, uh, you know, 11 days after the Ryder Cup ended and golf was a big focus point, or if you even want to put it that way, just 25 days after the Tour Championship ended, it just seems ludicrous. You know, if you, but, but again, the Tour is about offering playing opportunities to its members. So the, the and they, we did have these tournaments after the FedEx Cup before the wraparound thing began. It's just that they were part of the old season, which also didn't make sense. You know, I just think what they need to do is if you're going to be playing for most of the year, then let's not cram the FedEx Cup into September and October right after the PGA Championship. Put a couple of events after the Wyndham or after the PGA, the Wyndham. You know, Matt Kuchar suggested, he said, these three tournaments right now, uh, Fry's, uh, Vegas, and the Gladry would be perfect to put in there around the, around the Wyndham time. You'd have four tournaments then between the PGA and the FedEx Cup. If, if, if the big-time players wanted to take a bit of a break, they could get, them, get refreshed for the playoff run, maybe wedge the Ryder Cup and the, the President's Cup in the middle of it if you had to. Let the, President, uh, the, the uh, Tour Championship conclude about right now. And then take a couple of weeks off, and you can begin a new season by going to, uh, you know, to Asia, or in, even including Hawaii in that. Like I said, call it the, uh, uh, you know, the Pacific Swing. We've got the West Coast Swing, we've got the Florida Swing. Why not the Pacific Swing? Play uh, two events in Hawaii, play Malaysia, play China. Uh, you know, maybe bring in the Australian Open as a PGA Tour event. You've got five tournaments that are all. Uh, in that part of the world, they could be shown in primetime TV uh, for, for fans who crave it, and then, and then end it by Thanksgiving and wait until mid-January to resume. You know, give us some time away so that uh, we can get into it again uh, when, it, uh, when it starts up. And, you know, unfortunately, um, I, I just have a hard, you know, and I'm, I'm voting, Bob, I'm voting you next commissioner of the PGA Tour, Tim Fitch, and move over. 
you know, as a, as a guy who even does this for a living, I had a hard time tuning into it this weekend. Look at all the choices that you have as a sports fan. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And as somebody who works for the biggest sports news organization, ESPN.com, uh, you probably know it better than most. And we appreciate your comments. Great story, Bob. Thanks so much, as always, for uh, your input and spending time with the Golf Insiders. Thanks a lot. Take care. You're listening to 740 The Game, the Golf Insider. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. Rich, did you hear about this Orlando senior, high school senior golfer posting eight under 28? In a match. 28. In a high school match. Or uh, Louis Gagne from Orlando Christian Prep. Yeah, if you see this kid on the first tee, start asking for strokes. Wow. And he had a chance to make it 27. He lipped out a 25-footer on the final hole. Woo! This was at North Shore? North Shore. Two eagles, four birdies, and three pars. That's some That's some beating. Wow, that's some playing right there. That's a pretty good score. And you know what? That's going to get him a full scholarship to some beautiful four-year college. And another great story, Rich B. I don't know... Um, if anybody's been paying attention to this, but Jared Lyle, the Aussie who has twice endured bouts with cancer, returned from his latest setback and managed to earn a spot in the Fries.com field this past week where he tied for 31st. Pretty amazing story there. And um, hats off to Jared Lyle. Well, we've got Billy Horschel in the field this week, Rich B, and we're going to go to... Another one of our golf insiders to talk about what's happening with the tournament out in Las Vegas this week, as well as the LPGA. We're going to check in with Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. Hey, Steve. Hey, Holly. How are you? Doing well. Um, sitting here with my Global Golf Post in my email. And, uh, yep, we're, we were just talking about it, and the buzz is still off the meter about the Ryder Cup, and you had a pretty, uh, pretty slamming, jamming story in Global Golf Post this week at the P- at the PGA of America. I, I took him to task a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I ask, of, ask I've asked everybody if you think I was a little hard on the lads, but uh, most people have said, you know, they're big boys and they can take it. Uh, the the problem that I have always had is that the institution of the PGA is is much different than people think. It's not a business, and it's not even a trade organization, as most people might think of it. They they behave like a government bureaucracy. And, in fact, if you go down to the Palm Beach Gardens offices and walk around, you wouldn't know that you aren't wandering the halls of the EEOC or the EPA or or any other of the the, the alphabet soup of the government leviathan. I mean, it's it's a huge bureaucratic organization. That they go to a lot of meetings, they take a lot of conference calls, they develop a lot of PowerPoint presentations, but they don't actually do a whole lot. And I think that shows up in the culture of the Ryder Cup, uh, and that's one of the things 
that has contributed to the U.S. Uh, constantly being defeated. Look, I mean, I, everybody who, who says, well, we just don't make enough putts. I mean, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to slam my head against the wall. That is, that is the, stating the obvious. Why don't we make enough putts? It isn't the same players. It isn't the same captains. It isn't the same golf courses. It's because the Europeans create an environment where their players can thrive. They do it every two years, and they, they enter the event with about a one to one and a half percent advantage. And the PGA's got to do something to change that. Well, you know, uh, you know, the key to great success is emulating the guy that's doing the good job. And uh, I do agree with you. You know, uh, that's the best, uh, for, uh, sincerest form of uh, uh, sincerity is, uh, you, know, you, uh, you know, emulating your, uh, you know, the better player, the better organization. You know, and, and as, a, as a member of the organization, I do have to admit, it is a little bit large at the top, including uh, some egos and some uh, heads. And, uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's a very expensive, uh, you know, uh, operation as well. It is. It's it's an expensive event to run. It's a and it's a big organization. There's no doubt about it. But why on earth is it is it so uh, culturally bureaucratic to the point where I mean there are people wandering the fairways at Glen Eagles wearing you know PGA Blazers, and I guarantee you the players couldn't have named three of them. Uh, they are actually closer to the organizers on the European side because at least our players know John Paramore by name. Um, it, it is. It is a. There is a, a wide gulf between the people who run the Ryder Cup and the people who play in the Ryder Cup. And until they come up with a way to bridge that gulf, I'm afraid we're going to enter every one of these events at something of a disadvantage. Well, I think that was noticeable even with the PGA Championship, Steve, and how that all came to a close coming down the stretch on the 18th hole in the dark when they all got log jammed on the 18th tee, and it didn't seem like they, the PGA really knew what to do then to finish off their championship. It, it, it is amazing to me that, that an organization made up of golf professionals could, could, uh, could botch up a, a final, the final hole of a final round like that. Um, it, but look, I mean, that, that being said, I think that's just a microcosm of the problem. And the problem is, you know, this organization is, is made up of, you know, of club professionals, and they do a wonderful job with their club professional members. They are not, with the exception of the PGA Championship and the Ryder Cup, those are the only two major events that they handle, uh, and the tour players don't know who they are. Uh, they don't do it on a weekly basis, and that becomes a problem. Well, and you said yourself in the article, full disclosure, that you're a recovering PGA of America member. That is true, yes. And so I speak from, from 30 years of experience of watching that organization from both the inside and the out. So, um, And the frustrating part of this, and I'm not sure if my frustration came through, is that, is that this isn't rocket science. I mean, it is, you know, we're not asking them to put a man on the moon here. We're asking them to create a culture where, where our American team can be successful. Because right now, it's like the casino, where they, they make a fortune off of that 1% advantage that they have. And right now, the European team is the casino, and the Americans are the guys walking in there throwing their money down. Let me ask you a question, Steve. Do you think, uh, you know, I wonder, do you think Paul Azinger wants to step into the lion's den of the next captaincy? Is, is it kind of a possibly no-win situation for him? Or do you think he would well, thrive in that it, opportunity? Just got about one minute. I don't know if he really wants to be the captain. I know he wants to help. 
and and he has got some some sort of radical and and uh, you know revolutionary ideas in terms of of uh, how the thing ought to operate, not just for 2016, but going forward, uh, and, and not just in the selection of the captains, but in the but in the ongoing management of the event. And I, you know, I think that that uh, the PGA would be well served to listen to his ideas. Uh, perhaps implement some of, some of them, whether or not he is the captain. Now, I think he's still leaving that uh, that that door open, um, but certainly this goes beyond who the next captain is going to be. All right. Well, Steve, it gives us a lot more to talk about in the upcoming months. That's for sure. As uh, we uh, continue to talk about the Ryder Cup, you would think we. You think we would brought home the cup? For yeah, let it go. Loud. Let it let it go, Holly. Let that thing dog die right there. Uh, forget about it. Well, I we, like the idea that this guy's a thirty-year recovering uh, a PGA member, though. Uh, congratulations, you did it for thirty years. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, Steve, and uh, you can get your Global Golf Post every Monday in your email, globalgolfpost.com. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Rich B. Thank you to all our golf insiders. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.